time now for the reading of God's Word. If you're turning your Bible to Psalm chapter 122, Psalms chapter 122, we're reading just the one verse, verse number one, and there are Bibles there in front of you, as well as the verse will appear on the screen. Those of you who are able, if you'll stand at this time, Psalm 122 and verse number one. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. I thank you for the great day you've given. We've been talking about winning at what matters most, the most important thing. And the passage of scripture that Andy led us in reading was from David. I was glad when they said unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. And he understood that, you know, there is a, <coughs> there is something that is, is of utmost importance. And we, you know, if we ask you, you know, uh, what's the most important thing in your life? And people probably give some of the standard typical answers. And some might say, well, this or that, or might, someone, someone might say, well, my family, well, my, uh, my health and my financial situation, my job, or, you know, and I'm talking about people across the spectrum, spiritual, unspiritual, saved, lost, um, Christian, secular, whatever the perspective might be. And they would begin to list all the things that that matter the most. Or if we ask you to put them in some kind of a list, where would certain things fall and where would they line up? And for, I think for you being here on a Sunday night, <coughs> church would be pretty high up on the list. Might even be at the top, I don't know. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. And I'm, this isn't uh, uh, time for us to, you know, brag on ourselves anyway. But David did say, I was glad about this thing. David said much about his relationship with the Lord. And I think it might be one of the reasons, arguably, why our Lord would say about David, have not I sought a man after my own heart? And that's how he would describe David. It's always intriguing what God might say about an individual, but nonetheless, that's what he said about David. So we talked, uh, first of all, David talked about a place that he set his uh, possessions. Um, there was a time when David, you know the story, and I'm not going to belabor this. We didn't talk about it earlier, but, but David desired to build a house for the Lord. God told him no. Uh, because he was a man of what? He was a man of war. And, uh, you know, sometimes we think about David, the scrawny youth that killed Goliath, but David was a bad dude. I mean, make no mistake about it. He did take on a guy who was nine feet, six inches tall, armed with nothing but a sling and five stones. And there's always a chance, what if this misses? You know, I realize we, we know the story. We know how it all ends, but, you know, um, how quickly can you reload? All right. You know, and David's facing this giant who's out there. He's just wanting a guy to come out on the field and fight with him. David takes that offer up. We know he kills him. We know he killed a lion. We know he killed a bear. So there's no question about David's heart as a warrior, if you will, as a fighter. David was the guy. I mean, he was the UFC of his day, okay? No, no question about it. He, but anyway, and I got a filter, so I got to keep going here because we're running out of time. But so he steps out that day, and, and one of his great desires, as you see later in life, is because as his affection is drawn towards the Lord, to the, towards the Lord, he said, I want to build a house of worship. And God said, no, not you. Can you imagine how that must have stung? Uh, no, no, not you. Now, what would you have done? How would your response have been? Wait just a second. I'm trying to build a house for you. I want, I want a place of worship. And he said, no, it's, it's not going to be you. You know what David did? David said, I'm going to let, start laying up stuff for the next guy to build it. David didn't get bitter. David didn't say, I'm going to take my ball and go home. You know, sometimes when it comes to spiritual things, if I, you know, I didn't get to sing a solo tonight. And by the way, you don't want me to sing a solo tonight. But let's just suppose. 
So what am I going to do? I'm going to take my voice and go somewhere else and sing, like the car driving down the road. And I'm awesome driving down the road. I hit every single note. I never miss one. It's, it's amazing. I drive down the road. Every once in a while, people look at me, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just rolling away here, man. And I have had that happen, stopping at the stop sign, but I keep the windows up so nobody can hear me anyway as I'm belting it out, and I'm awesome. And I'd never miss a note while I'm doing that. But, but that's not me. That's not my strength. It's not my forte. It's not, I'm, I'm not saying I can't sing at all because I've stood by some of you when you sing. So I'm, I, I know that, uh, I, I know that I, I'm somewhere in there with all of us, okay? But, but I know that's not me. So it's not like I'm going to say, well, I'm going to take, I, since I can't do that, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to leave. People do that oftentimes with the gifts that are not of their own making. I realize that there's polishing and training and, and, and things, and, and people can have certain gifts and talents that God has given them, and they can, they can work and polish and practice those things. Understand that. I'm not making that argument at all. My point is, David said, God said, you're not building it, and David said, okay, what can I do to help it then? It was David's attitude. His approach was so dramatically different that in tune also may be one of the reasons why God said, oh, I like this guy. Because I, I, I denied him the desire of his heart, and instead of getting bent out of shape, uh, what was it? Where's Cooper? Cooper here? Cooper, your message Thursday night on forgiveness was, in fact, I was talking to my wife about it after the service. I was trying to use it to convict her. But uh, no, <laughs> believe me, not my wife. She's not the one that needs it more me. But I was thinking about his message and how, you know, he, he was up here talking about people get been out of shape over the smallest things. And, you know, most of the people who will leave a church, leave a ministry, and again, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm thinking about his message. And he said, they'll leave her the, I'm paraphrasing here, the simplest things, the dumbest things, things that really don't matter. But David, this was a big deal to David. He, God set him apart and said, you're the man. You're going to be king, and I'm going to use you in a great spectacle in front of all of Israel so much that they're going to be singing songs about you. Saul slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. And David said, this is awesome. I'm going to take this and I'm going to springboard it and I'm going to build a house for God. God said, no, you're not. Wait a second. I wanted to do a good thing. I wanted to do the right thing. And God said, no. So David said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. In fact, I think it's in First Chronicles. He said, I set my affection towards the house of God. And he said, by, by saying that, I set my affection toward the house of my God. He said, I'm going to put everything I've got in there. Do you realize, in fact, I, I don't have time to go this route tonight. I wish I did. David, Solomon was, was uh, um, recognized for his great wealth. But do you realize that David's the one who stuck a lot of that there? David is the one who secured a lot of that. David is the one who made the provisions and the timbers and, and all of the, the uh, ornate decorative work. David got busy for God, even though he wasn't the one who got to do it. That's huge. Because when we understand if we're winning at what matters most, it's not taking your ball and going home. It's really the, realizing that the house of God is a proper, proper place for my possessions. Hey, listen, you and I can invest in a lot of things in life, but there's one guarantee. For instance, if you help send someone to camp you made an impact on eternity. You know, we had 20, approximately 20 young people saved at VBS. I, I don't care if you, you say, well, I didn't do that much. It doesn't matter what it is. And, and by the way, God's the only one who has the means of sorting that out. If it's, uh, if it's Phyllis playing the piano, if it's Amanda uh, leading in the, the song and stuff, if it's, if it's Garrett uh, acting and Robert and, and Andy doing all the acting and things to 
and I'm being very serious, to keep the kids engaged, or if it's, uh, if it's those that are out there working on the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the games and the bounce house and the crafts and the snacks, whatever it is, or you brought in some two liters or you donated this or, or you gave some money towards all of those things that cost money. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. You had a part in that. You may lose in other things in this life, but you can't lose that. That is something that will never be taken away. David recognized that's where I'm going to spend my investment. That's where I'm going to put my labor That's where I'm going to uh, give those things that are nearest and dearest to me. So it's a proper place for our possessions. Secondly, we mentioned it's a proper place for God's blessing. Everybody here, everybody here wants God's favor. Everybody. No question about it. If I I asked you tonight, do you want God's blessing on your life? You'd say, of course. You want God's blessing on your children? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I just care. I, let me wing it and keep God at bay. Nobody wants to live that way. You want him to watch over you. Want him, you, you know, as I was praying for the, for the group last week at camp, and I, I prayed every day for their safety. I prayed for safety as they travel. I prayed for safety. I prayed for God to speak to their heart, but all those things. But I don't take that for granted. I just say, oh, they're going to camp. They're doing something for God. And by the way, it doesn't mean necessarily that something bad may or may not happen. But I do want to be beseeching God And I understand that this is a place that God has smiled upon. It's a place where God has moved and God has spoken and God has given his blessing. So it's a proper place for possessions. It's a proper place for God's blessing. Thirdly, and we said this already, it's a proper place to give him preeminence. And that is, we understand, this is God's house. By the way, way, it's one of the reasons why church is different than going to the rodeo. Nothing wrong with going to the rodeo. I mean, I guess, if you want to go to the rodeo. There's nothing wrong with that. This is not going camping. It's one of the reasons why, why we dress differently. And I'm not, I'm not telling you what to wear. That's between you and the Lord. But, I, but I'll tell you, this, this, I don't wear this when I go hiking. Okay? At least not very far. Unless the hike is from the couch to the fridge. And believe me, as soon as I get out of here, man, this puppy's the first thing to go. There's nothing in the Bible about ties. And if I ever find the guy who invented them, I'm going to hang him by mine. But, but, you know, but this is God's house. The, the things that we do here lean towards and ought to be those things. I'm going to talk about this in a few weeks anyway, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. These are the things that, that, ought, that ought to please and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, church is not for me. Now, it was God's idea. But it's not for me. It's for him. David understood, I, I'm going to build him a place that is his house. But he understood that it was a place where we give God the preeminence. That's why if you're looking for a church that, that I want to go to a place where I feel good. You, church wasn't designed for you to feel good. Our culture has twisted it. I just don't feel good there. Well, it's God's house, not yours. It's not McDonald's. If it was, we'd have the Diet Coke dispenser back there with twice-filtered water. Hallelujah. But that's, that's, not what, that's not what this is. You know, and I, I anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ahead of myself, and so i got to keep moving. It's a proper place to give him preeminence, and then fourthly, a proper place to hear from him. I know people often say, well, I can hear from God anywhere. Sure you can. But there is no other place on the planet that is designated as his house other than church. No other place. 
I hear this argument. I've heard it all my life. People, people will say, well, I can have church at home. Sure you can. Good luck with that. Now, I realize some, piece, some places they're forced to do that because they're not allowed to have them. China, for instance. China would love to have this tonight. Oh, they, they'd love it. We have missionaries that were supported in other parts of the world where they can't even carry their Bibles in public. And we've got absolute, unbelievable freedom. Even though the world and our cultural, cultural opinion has swayed against Christianity, but we're, we live in a place where our, our freedom is unparalleled to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no question about it. And so, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I borrowed the statement that some of you probably heard before, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and some will say, yeah, but you, you don't have to go, to home, home, go home to be married, but it sure makes for a better marriage. That was slow. You, some of you didn't get that. I'll give you a moment to let that process. But many times people make that argument. Well, I just have church. I have church on, you know, uh, I have church in the car. Oh, make sure you take an offering. You know, I mean, and I'm being facetious there. But people will say that. Why? Well, you know, me and God, we got our own thing. And so I, I just feel more in tune with God when I have a church on a hike in the, in the mountains. And I'm not knocking a hike in the mountains. Not, not at all. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm just saying, don't kick God's place to the curb. And if you want to win at what matters most, you have to understand that God said, this is my place, a place of possessions, of blessing, of preeminence, and a place to hear from Him. And then, uh, let me say this further, a place to remain, <coughs> and that is stay faithful. Uh, David wrote further in Psalm 84 verse 10 on the screen there in front of you, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. See, even David didn't like to camp. Um, Just threw that out there. Sorry. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. David was not looking for position or prominence. He just wanted to be there. And it ought to be the heart's desire of every child of God to be in that place where God is blessing, God is speaking, and a place to remain or to stay faithful. Um, let me say this further. Then uh, it is a proper place to develop relationships. You're going to have friends. The Bible warns us about having friends with the wrong crowd, the wrong people. You know what's interesting in history? Um, I just read a book, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, called Sons and Soldiers. It's a fascinating story. Um, I'm reading a book right now on the Donner saga. Of uh, uh, It's a new one that was written by an author that I've read several of his works. But it's interesting in both of those. You know, as people traveled and settled, the, the first thing they build typically is a house of worship because they understood that it was a place where the people met. Relationships were built. Most of you would probably say, I think many of you, particularly if you're faithful and you're very regular to Timberline, you'd say that your best, your best, your nearest, and those with whom you feel more close are typically surrounding a church, even sometimes more than our own flesh and blood. It's because you're at a different level when you're around God's people. You know, I, I love my own flesh and blood. Make no mistake about it. But the fact is, you and I can commune on some things at different levels than perhaps some of them can because of the relationship with the Lord that is not there. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying that's the reality of it. You know, it's interesting. uh, You know, I think it was November of 1938 when, uh, of course, 
Hitler comes on the scene in the mid-30s and in Germany in November 9th and 10th, I think it was called Kristallnacht, which uh, was the night of broken glass. And they, they sent their stormtroopers throughout Europe, and they were destroying any property basically owned by the Jews, and they confiscated much. And by the way, those, that's, a, that's a group of people that wanted to take away your guns too. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there, and I'm not preaching on it, but I'm just, I'm just saying those are the kind of people that want to take away your guns. One of the first things that Hitler wanted destroyed was every synagogue. You notice that? Uh, he wanted them to smash their businesses. He wanted them to loot their property. In fact, they basically confiscated it. There's, uh, history is filled with documentation and stories where, for instance, if you were a Jew, you were ordered to sell to this person who was, who was an Aryan, who was a non-Jew, at whatever price they wanted to pay for it. You lost everything. Your business, your property, your farm, it didn't matter. You had to sell it back to them. You had to sell it to that person, and you were shipped off to a camp. That happened all throughout, all throughout Germany and many of the countries that were invaded by the Nazis. But what the, the first thing that he wanted destroyed, he ordered to be done, was destroy, burn every synagogue. If you've been to the Holocaust Memorial in Washington, D.C., I don't know if any of you had a chance to visit that. One of the most moving places you'll ever see, a very somber place. But in that, they, have some, they actually have some images and they have some, uh, uh, some things that were destroyed by the, the uh, Nazis during the, the Crystal Knot. And they have them on display there, uh, parts of a synagogue and parts of the, the doors you would enter into the synagogue, and those are on display there. But it's interesting, he wanted every place a worship removed. You know Why? Because he understood that was the fellowship and the backbone between a community. It's one of the things we've lost in our culture today. You know, 200 years ago, when a, when a, when a town was built, they built two things right away, church and a school. Schools were one room, and the churches, everybody met at church. If there was any business going on in the town, they went to church. And then you went to church for your regular services. It brought the greatest sense and the greatest fiber and fabric of community in our nation's history. It, it, it is one of the things that is so greatly lacking in our culture today. And I'm not, I'm not throwing off on America, believe me. I'm, man, I'm patriotic. I love our country. I love the United States of America. But I'll tell you, the farther, the farther we get from church, the farther we get from God. And the less importance and significance it has in our communities and in your homes, the farther we get from God. And that's exactly what he tried to do. And he did it. And people stood by and let it happen. You know, it always, always amazes me. Every time I read a book, on, particularly on that era in the Second World War, every time I read it, I'm thinking, how did that happen? How did that go on? I was reading recently about the liberation at Buchenwald, which was one of the most notorious camps. And there were people who were brought out. In fact, when the, when the Allies liberated and the American soldiers liberated Buchenwald and the Russians were just a few miles the other direction, but when they liberated it, they went to the town, which was two miles from Buchenwald, and they brought the citizens out to the camp to see those that had been in the camp, to see the gas chambers and the graves. And the, I won't get into all the stuff because I know we got a lot of kids that are listening, but it was unbelievable, the scenes. And you've seen some of those images if you've done any reading of history. But there were, there were some of them who said, I didn't know. It was two miles down the road. You, you didn't know. 
And then one of the men who was, was working as an elder in the church, not far from Buchenwald, said that every time the train would pass by, they could hear the crying from the cars. And so he ordered the church to sing louder, to drown out the crying from those who were being taken to the camps in the cars. See, how does that stuff happen? It happens because people turn their back to those things that we know are right. And I'm not preaching on that tonight, but I'm simply saying, you better not forsake church because it is where lasting and eternal and eternally impacting relationships are built and strengthened. You, I'm not saying you can't have friends outside of church. Of course you can't. But I'm saying that God warns, warns us as God's people to not be too tethered to this world. God says friendship with the world is enmity or opposed or against that which is spiritual and holy. That's why the songwriter, you know, it's a, it's a catchy song, but this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. It's not just some lyrics to a song, it's true. My treasures should be laid up somewhere else, not here. And the child of God realizes that. And so when it comes to church, he, st- he takes a step back and he says, he says, well, I, I, I don't want to be at a place in my life I'm not talking about a literal physical place, but in a place where I'm at in life to where I say, you know, church, I can take it or leave it. And in our culture, we have kicked church so far down the road by people just throwing out for the last 40 years, separation of church and state, separation of church and state, to where church is just, it, we keep backpedaling. We just keep getting thrown further into a corner. What, do you, you go to church? I mean, there was a time in our country where Uh, You know, 50 years ago, 80% of Americans, according to most surveys, 50 years ago, 80% of Americans went to church at least once a week. Now that number's less than 20. And I'm not even sure that's accurate. I I mean, that's that's really, in my opinion, is pretty inflated. If it was 20%, that means in a town of Sherwood, 4,000 people went to church today. 4,000. It was 20%. If we're the typical average town in Sherwood, you know, I mean, come on, we're, we're... Mayberry RFD, right? You know, them bad habits. That means 4,000 people in Sherwood, if we take the national average, went to church today. How many of you think 4,000 people in Sherwood were in church today? Yeah, me neither. Uh, Maybe 1,000. I would guess, maybe. And that's that's really kind of stretch. I'm not even sure I'd go that high. Maybe 1,000. Why? I don't know. I'm just doing so many other things. I've got so many other things to do. And here's the, here's the problem. None of them are necessarily bad things. They're good things, but they have slowly taken the place of the house of God. So if I want to win at what matters most, I've got to make sure that my position And my place regarding the house of God is right up there on par with him. David kept company with all of those who had the same desire that he did for God's house. You know, I'll say this, and I'm, I'm done. It doesn't matter what song is sung, what text is read, what passage is preached, what, what the points are. You and I need church. You and I need to preach in the Word of God. Now, I, I said you and I. I'm, I'm talking to me, too. We all need preaching. Every one of us do. 
you cannot get too much God in your life because the world and everything about it will do everything it can to eliminate every spiritual influence there is. That's what's happening culturally in our country. They're trying to eradicate God, and they do it when it comes to the place where even God's people say, church, I go when I can. I go some. I go often. I consider myself, and I I told you, Lauren and I were talking to a guy uh, two weeks ago in Wilsonville. And uh, I asked him, I said, I I told him I was a pastor. I said, do you go to church anywhere? He said, yeah, I go to I go to church, and he gave the name of the town. I said, what's the name of the church? And I wasn't trying to stump him, really. I wasn't. But he couldn't remember. He couldn't remember. I was knocking on a door years ago when I was pastoring in Kentucky. And I, I, didn't, I didn't tell him where I was from, but I just, hey, my name's, I gave him my name. And uh, they, I asked him, I said, do you go to church anywhere? They gave the name of our church, the church I was pastoring. I'd been there two years. I'd never seen him before in my life. And I remember saying to them, my wife was with me. And by the way, I should have done it, but I did. I was having too much fun. I said, who's the pastor there? And uh, they said, oh, I can't, I can't remember what his name was. You know, short guy. And the guy that was before me was a real short guy. And, I, and so then I, I kind of played along a little bit. And they, they were struggling to get the name. And I, his last name was Clark. And I said, Clark? And he said, yeah, that's him. And they said, do you know him? I said, yeah. I said, he left two and a half years ago. And boy, then it was, you know, it's kind of, now I know I shouldn't have done that. I I had way too much fun, and it didn't work because they didn't come to church anyway. But I finally told them, I said, I'm the pastor there. And you could tell their faces dropped. But I use that to illustrate a point. That's the Bible Belt of America. And if, listen to this, and I'll be done. If you and I do not stay faithful, to God's house. Pray tell me who will. Who will? It falls on us. And I think God knew when he set David aside, he said, that's a man that gets it. May we be people who get it when it comes to the house of God. Shall we stand? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just a very, very simple way of invitation. How many would say tonight, God spoke to me about something? Would you lift your hands very, very quickly? Very quickly. God bless you. Many, many hands. I always want God to speak to me, and I hope you you feel the same as well. If God spoke to you tonight, as the piano plays, would you just come very quickly? Maybe you want to pray for our country. Maybe you want to pray for your family, maybe those that God has given you an opportunity to influence. Maybe you want to pray and ask God to keep you faithful. Well, I pray that God would keep me faithful. I don't take that for granted. You say, well, you're a pastor. I'm flesh and blood just like everybody in here. I pray that God would keep me faithful. I don't want to part from that. I think about my children. I think about my grandchildren. I want to blow it for them. I don't want to chase something that's so temporary and so trivial and waste it on the altar of that which is eternal.
many folks at the altar tonight. If you're not able to get out, certainly you're welcome to pray there at your seat. But I hope we're all praying. Whoever it is that God impress upon your heart, pray, pray that we stay faithful. 